Hello, and welcome to episode 20 in our weekly podcast, That's One for the History Books. I'm Marty Cohn. My good friend and co-host, you, Ryan, and I are profiling Americans who made important contributions to our country, but who have not received the popular credit that we think they deserve. Today, we're going to discuss a hero of the American Revolution, General Nicholas Herkimer, commanding officer of the colonial troops at the Battle of Oriskany. Since this obscure battle is probably as little known to our listeners as the general himself, perhaps we should begin by providing the strategic context for the fierce conflict. Good idea, Marty. Oriskany was and is a town and rural farm country in central New York State. It's about 50 miles east of Syracuse and 100 miles or so northwest of Albany. The battle fought there on August 6, 1777, was a small but extremely bloody engagement and an important action in the Saratoga campaign. That spring, the British sought to inflict a final death blow on, to the revolution. In the previous year, they had captured New York City, defeated the troops of George Washington, and driven them into New Jersey. So now, General Burgoyne, commander of the British troops garrisoned in Quebec province, Canada, conceived a two-pronged campaign south from Canada to New York City, where he planned to link up with his counterpart there, General Howe. His strategic goal was to drive a wedge between the colonial forces in New England and those to the south and west of the Hudson River. And things appeared to go pretty well at first. You said that it was to be a two-pronged campaign. From Canada, Burgoyne himself led a substantial, a substantial expeditionary force south into New York capturing Fort Ticonderoga and Fort Anne. Next, he headed east into Vermont, capturing the fort at Hubberton. Burgoyne then returned to New York and headed south toward Fort Edward. Although it was only about 50 miles away, it was 50 miles of dense forest. The colonial troops felled trees across the roads and destroyed bridges. The British column bogged down and the trip took weeks. At the same time, British Colonel Barry St. Ledger sailed with a second, smaller force down the St. Lawrence River from Montreal across Lake Ontario. They debarked in western New York State and headed east toward Albany, laying siege to Fort Stanwyck, about 100 miles west, northwest of Albany. And here's where our hero enters the narrative. General Nicholas Herkimer led a force of about 800 men from the Tryon County Militia, supplemented by 100 or so Oneida tribe warriors, up the Mohawk Valley to Oriskany to relieve the besieged Fort Stanwix. On the evening before the battle, evening before the battle, Herkimer sent couriers to the fort, asking the commander to fire three cannon volleys, signaling their arrival, and then to immediately dispatch a sortie from the fort. Herkimer was to launch his attack upon hearing the cannon volleys so that he and the commander would pin the British between their two forces. Here, we see an illustration of the military adage that no battle plan survives first contact with the enemy. The couriers had great difficulty sneaking through the British lines and as a result, did not reach the fort until the next morning, late in the morning. Not hearing the anticipated cannon volleys, Herkimer launched his attack on his own. 
About six miles from the fort, the road dipped into a 50-foot ravine with a brook running through a marsh at the bottom. The path narrowed and the footing became difficult, so the column stretched out and slowed down. As it headed up the hill on the other side, it went into the perfect setting for an ambush. Which is exactly what the British did. As the colonial militiamen advanced along the trail, they encountered a main blocking force composed of colonial loyalists of the King's Royal Regiment of New York, called the Royal Yonkers, troops from the British India Department, and Hessian mercenaries. So there were no regular British Army soldiers making this battle highly unusual, if not unique. Warriors from the Iroquois tribe hid on both sides of the trail, and the colonials marched unaware into the three-sided trap. The opening volley penetrated Herkimer's leg, wounding him severely and killing his horse. Advised that he should be evacuated, Herkimer replied, no, I will face the enemy. Herkimer had himself propped up in a seated position against a tree stump, and from there he directed his soldiers. He divided them into pairs. Within each pair, one man was to fire his musket while the other loaded his. They were to keep alternating in this fashion to maintain a continuous fire, or at least as continuous as possible with the primitive weapons of the day. Ambushed and trapped in unforgiving terrain, the colonists suffered horrifically greater casualties than the British. 465 killed and wounded versus 28. But they held on in no small measure because of Herkimer's valor and leadership. Finally, hours into the battle, around noon, 250 reinforcements arrived from Fort Stanwix, attacking the British camp from the rear, grabbing their supplies, and taking prisoners. At nightfall, the British forces withdrew. They lifted the siege of Fort Stanwix and redeployed north to join Burgoyne's main force. The British drive to New York City was disrupted, Burgoyne never accomplished his mission, and Fort Stanwix became known as the fort that never surrendered. I should add a rather poignant aspect of this battle. General Herkimer did not live to savor the victory or accept the honors it earned him, nor make further contributions to the war effort. The doctors determined that his wounded leg had to be amputated, and he died from an infection caused by the amputation less than two weeks after the battle. A bronze statue of Nicholas Herkimer in the town that bears his name represents the general with a shattered leg seated on a tree stump directing the militiamen. The Saratoga campaign ended about two months later when General Burgoyne surrendered to General Gates. Burgoyne's sole condition was that his men could return to England. Since that took 5,000 British regulars out of the war and prevented the severing of the colonies and their forces, it was an easy stipulation for General Gates to accept. This was the first British army surrender in the nation's history and military historians judge it to have been a turning point in our war for independence. You know, Marty, uh, the reason I wanted to do this story is that I have something of a personal connection to it. I saw a display about Herkimer and the Battle of Oriskany at a rest stop along the highway headed out toward this area where our son and daughter-in-law live. I mentioned it to our daughter-in-law, and she grew up in Oriskany. 
And she chuckled and said, yeah, you know, General Herkimer and this battle aren't very well known nationally, but in this area, it's a point of emphasis in uh, middle school and high school. So she grew up, and our grandson is now growing up, being thoroughly schooled in the exploits of General Nicholas Herkimer. I actually sent her a draft of our script to make sure it was historically accurate, and she pronounced it so. Good story, you. Thanks for listening to this edition of That's One for the History Books. The music, Hat the Jazz by Twin Musicom, is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and leave a comment. And be sure to listen next week when we'll discuss Dr. Charles Drew, who pioneered the modern blood bank. I'm Marty Cohn with my co-host, you Ryan. Stay healthy. Thank you.